I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening. Warning, you're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Welcome, everybody, to Battleground Live. It's great to have you here. Thank you all for being in the trenches. As I mentioned to you every single day, this is a show about defending America and getting the truth to you so that you can defend America and in your homes and out in the community. We're so grateful to have you here. Uh, it's been amazing to watch this movement grow, and that's truly what we're doing. We're building a movement that is that is unafraid we, because we can't afford to be the silent majority anymore. We've got to speak out. Uh, 2024, I mean, politicians say this stuff all the time. I know I ran both for the House and for the Senate in 2020 and 22 and 2022, respectively. Um, politicians always say well, this is the most important election of our lifetime, but I really do truly think that 2024, it's all on the line. We either win or we lose what it means to be the greatest country in the world. We lose what it means to be an American. So it's been an honor to stand in formation with you and be in the trenches with you and watch this movement grow. Uh, as I told you all before, I get on the the live chat about an hour before the show, so typically around four o'clock, and I engage with you. You know, that's that's the whole point. You know, want to engage with you, want to build a community, and, and so it was pretty amazing. To see at one point prior to going live, we had 172 people waiting and engaging in the live chat. So thank you. This show is and will always be for you. Um, so we got a huge show today. Uh, Merrick Garland, this beady-eyed little mouth-breathing freak of uh, an attorney general, uh, was in the hot seat today on Capitol Hill and was answering all sorts of questions from Republican members of the House of Representatives. And I say, when I say answered. I, I'm certainly using the term loosely because there was a whole lot of, I don't remember. I don't recall. Hmm, I'll have to look into that. I'll have to get back to you. I'll have to circle back. <laughs> I've already answered that many times. This has already been addressed. So I'm going to have to direct you to this person's spokesperson. So it was kind of a mess. It was, it was, it was nothing that I didn't anticipate, though, uh, but we're going to run through some video and we're going to get into, the, into that and we're going to move through it quickly because we have you know, obviously we don't have many guests on this show, but Rich Barris, a.k.a. the People's Pundit, is also with us today. And we have a hell of a lot to talk about all the latest polling and all the sort of insider baseball behind the scenes stuff that you need to know to defend this great country. Uh, before we get to all of that, let me just first thank Deepwell. Uh, Deepwell Services is a founding sponsor of this program. And by the way, because of you, as you like and as you rumble this video and as you subscribe to my channel, which again will always be free, I mean, more sponsors and more advertisers are getting interested in this program. And the more that are interested, uh, the better quality 
content we can bring you and we can also do it more often. So uh, Deepwell, they were the first company to take a chance on us. So we're grateful. Thank you. And again, I want to reiterate, if you all are watching, smash that like button, rumble, 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 rumble notices that. And if they notice that we get advertisers and the more advertisers we get, I can get my studio away from the cat's litter box, which I know Melanie, Commander Melanie, I know you're watching. I know you're in the live chat. I know that you don't like that. And I, I'm here to tell you all watching, no, we don't live in a pigsty. We just have two cats and Pups McGee, our dog. They chase each other back and forth. It's, it's crazy pandemonium. And then you add to that five children and get a little crazy around here. So we're, we're trying to build a studio that's in a private space. Uh, so the more you, the more you like, the more you rumble, the more you subscribe, the faster we can do it. So, um, but again, we're grateful to have you here. Uh, official Sean Parnell for all the Battleground Apparel, a brand new company that just rolled out, Battleground Apparel Company. We've got lots of cool T-shirts on there. Um, go there if you love it's It's a company that is all about protecting and defending this great nation. Um, so, okay, so let's get right to the, the top story of the day, and that's Merrick Garland in the hot seat. Um, obviously, we talk often on this show about two Americas and a two-tiered system of justice in this country. And if any of y'all who have been paying attention, which I know you have, and you saw the mostly peaceful protest on January 6th, right? And then you saw probably a year before that, in May of 2020, you saw Antifa lay siege to the White House for weeks. They tried to burn down St. John's Church. I mean, they were violent. They wounded, hurt, battered, bruised, uniformed Secret Service officers. Every single person that was charged federally in the D.C. area had their charges dropped. But as we all know and have watched in horror as this unfolds before our eyes, we watched the Department of Justice under Merrick Garland relentlessly pursue people that were on the Capitol that day, filming on the Capitol, independent journalists, uh, January 6th grandmothers. We watched the Department of Justice throw you know, Proud Boys. And again, I don't know who the hell the Proud Boys are. I don't know anything about that organization. But what I do know is that they threw one of those dudes in jail for 22 years and he wasn't even on the Capitol for, uh, on that day. So obviously anyone who's been paying attention or even watched the summer of love in 2020 as Black Lives Matter and Antifa rampaged across this country, did billions of dollars in damage and killed people. We watched their charges dropped. Moreover, we watched high-level and high-ranking Democrat politicians like Kamala Harris share links on Twitter about bailing them out of jail. And some people who were bailed out of jail committed more crimes. Were any of these people prosecuted? Were any of No, these people had their charges completely dropped. So anyone who's been paying attention knows that there are that there is a two tiered system of, of justice in this country. And so this is the context with which I want you to go in watching these videos of Merrick Garland and the subsequent questioning that he underwent on Capitol Hill today. Um, watch part of Merrick Garland's opening statement. And again, I say this often, the man is a mouth breather. We know this, okay? Um, but try not to let your IQ drop 10 points just watching this video. Or I know some of you all who who, are, who play the mouth breather drinking game uh, and we talk about the over-under prior to this show starting. Um, I, 
just try not to spit out your drink when you watch this video. Uh, go ahead and roll the tape. That means we apply the same laws to everyone. There is not one set of laws for the powerful and another for the powerless, one for the rich and another for the poor, one for Democrats and another for Republicans, or different rules depending upon one's race or ethnicity or religion. <laughs> Isn't that the craziest thing you ever saw? This is a guy whose Department of Justice declared you as parents who dare to go to school board meetings. He called you domestic terrorists. This is the man who... who who oversaw the Department of Justice that wrote the anti-Catholic memo. This is the man who rounded up relentlessly January 6th grandmothers. This is the man who's throwing people in prison, who is responsible for throwing people in prison for decades-long sentences who weren't even on the Capitol while simultaneously dropping sentences for members of Antifa and Black Lives Matter who did horrible violence into this country. I mean, it's just laughable. And this is what, this is just, things are so crazy right now. That these these Democrat activists and, and, and Merrick Garland is is certainly a Democrat activist. I mean, there's there's no question, no question about that. Uh, they just lie brazenly to the American people and there's no fear. And I think part of the reason why there's no fear in, in, is because when Republicans are in power. They rarely wield that power to hold anybody accountable. And I'm glad that Merrick Garland was on Capitol Hill answering questions today. Some of the Republicans really did a great job questioning him and holding his feet to the fire, had him stumbling and bumbling and jittery and beady eyed. All that was great. But rarely is the next step ever taken. And that is some level of accountability. Um, Thomas Massey had a great exchange with Merrick Garland today about the two-tiered justice system and many and much of the hypocrisy that exists within that department. Uh, let's go ahead and roll that exchange between Merrick Garland and Thomas Massey. Go ahead and roll the tape. General Garland, Elon Musk was a Democrat who admittedly supported Biden, but then he became a critic of the administration and exposed the censorship regime. Now, per public reports, the DOJ has opened not one but two investigations of Elon Musk. Mark Zuckerberg, on the other hand, spent $400 million in 2020 tilting the elections secretly for Democrats. No investigations whatsoever. To the American public, these look like mafia tactics. You pay your money, we look the other way. You get in our way, we punish you. The American public sees what these tactics are. Do you remember that the American, like the, the, the radical left used to love Elon Musk before he came out uh, against the Biden administration and they thought that he was bought and paid for by the radical left, that he was one of their supporters. People loved Elon Musk. They thought he was great. I mean, after all, Elon Musk was leading the charge on climate change and electric vehicles and all this other stuff. He was a saint of the left until he dared criticize the regime. And now Merrick Garland, is suing SpaceX because they refused to hire, because they only hired Americans. They didn't hire immigrants. Well, the problem is, is you can't hire, you cannot hire immigrants for SpaceX where they're working on top secret rocket propulsion technology, yet the Biden administration is suing Elon Musk anyway. You see how this works? 
I mean, and, and never mind the fact that not only is is Merrick Garland throwing innocent, you know, January Sixers who dared walk around the Capitol, some of whom are in their 70s. And by the way, he just arrested two pro-life grandmas and sentenced them to probably what will be 10 or 11 years in prison for daring to protest outside of an abortion clinic. Uh, he, he's throwing these people in prison. His Department of Justice is. Yet Ray Epps gets gets a slap on the wrist, a, a misdemeanor for uh, you know parading on restricted grounds or whatever the hell it was, like no jail time whatsoever. It certainly seems like there's two tiers of justice. And folks, I'm here to tell you that the American people see this stuff. They do. Uh, and independents, uh, they see this stuff. The only people who don't are the loud, radical communist left who just loves the authoritarian state that the Democrat Party has embraced and become. Um, Merrick Garland was also asked directly uh, if he's had any sort of personal contact with anybody at FBI headquarters about Hunter Biden. It seems like something that that an attorney general would remember. Let's see what Merrick Garland had to say. Go ahead and roll the tape. Have you had personal contact with anyone at FBI headquarters about the Hunter Biden investigation? Uh, don't re- I, don't, I don't recollect the answer to that question, but the FBI works for the Justice Department. It's, uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You don't department. recollect you don't recollect whether you've talked with anybody at FBI headquarters about an investigation of the president's son. I, I don't believe that I did. I promised the Senate when I came um, before it for confirmation that I would leave Mr. Weiss in place and that I would not interfere with his investigation. Okay, did you ever? I have kept that promise. All right. I mean, it seems like something that you would remember. I mean, did you talk to the FBI or anyone at the FBI about Hunter Biden, who is the president's son, who, by the way, has been all over the news for damn near Two years, three years now, the level of corruption that's inherent within the Biden family crime syndicate is everywhere. Everyone knows about it. And as the Republicans in the House of Representatives, specifically James Comer, continue to investigate this stuff, it's just a slow drip, 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 drip. It's like, but no, you don't remember. Ta- uh, 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 did you hear the sound you made? Uh, typically, when you make that sound, you're probably lying. I don't know if any of y'all played poker, but making a sound like that when you're playing Texas Hold'em, not a good thing. Uh, so it just seems like Merrick Garden is, Garland is just brazenly lying. The real question is, will he be, will he be held accountable? Um, Matt Gates, I mean, he had a five-minute line of questioning that I thought was fantastic. He posted it on Twitter, which is now X. Go check it out and watch the whole thing because he really gets to the core of the issue on on many different things with Merrick Garland. We're going to play you a little clip because it hasn't gotten enough play. And I just want you to hear Merrick Garland's words as he goes back and forth with uh, Representative Matt Gates. Go ahead and roll the tape. Our job in the Justice Department is to pursue our cases without reference uh, to what's happening in the outside world. Just yes or no? Have you done that? That is what we do. So it's a no? No one that I know of has spoken to the White House about the Hunter Biden case. I'm wondering this. Okay, I got it. I got it. So Hunter Biden is selling art to pay for his $15,000 a month rent in Malibu. How can you guarantee that the people buying that art aren't doing so to gain favor with the president. The job of the Justice Department is to investigate criminal allegations. You have information. Are you investigating this? I mean, someone who bought Hunter Biden's art 
ended up with a prestigious appointment to a federal position. Doesn't it look weird that he's making he's become this immediate success in the art world as his dad is president of the United States? Isn't that odd? I'm not going to comment about any specific. Not going to comment, not going to investigate. I mean, he's not going to comment, not going to investigate. And what I, I needed you to hear at the end, but we didn't get it. Merrick Garland says, that's right. I'm not going to. So you're not going to comment. You're not going to investigate. That's right. And therein lies the issues with the Department of Justice. And that's precisely why the American people see two tiers of justice. Look at what they're doing to Donald Trump, indicting him in, in you know in four different places, 90 plus federal charges, most all of them. Every single charge, complete and total political BS. No other way to spin it. There's no legal precedent or basis for these charges. It's never been done before in, in American history. Yet with Hunter Biden, it be this guy, along with Joe Biden, and along with this fake news narrative that there's no evidence, no evidence, no evidence, which has now become no direct evidence, which, I, I mean, Hunter Biden in the Biden family international crime ring has 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 committed real and serious crimes. Yet the Department of Justice just said in that interv- in that exchange with Representative Matt Gates that there's not going to be any consequences whatsoever. I mean, th- this is what we're dealing with. He told you everything that you needed to hear, which by the way, Matt Gates is is asking very valid questions. Uh, like since when did Hunter Biden become an artist? And how the hell are his paintings selling? For five hundred plus thousand dollars, people who dedicate their entire life to painting or art go their entire lives without selling a single painting. Yet Hunter Biden's paintings are going for mid six figures. And oh, by the way, the people that are buying those paintings are getting cushy positions in and around the Biden administration. You didn't get an answer to that question. And so this. This is indicative of a much larger problem in government, but uh, something else that's broke that I want to touch on quickly and then we'll get right right to rich is that these communists and these these what Democrats have essentially become again, this ain't your grandmother or grandfather's Democrat party. Democrat being a Democrat and it today is is synonymous with being a communist. These people infiltrate our organizations. They're either political appointees or they work clandestinely to occupy key positions in our government, and then they pervert and distort once venerable, honorable institutions like the Department of Justice. And the Biden administration, just this news just broke yesterday, has appointed James Clapper and John's Brent, John Brennan and Paul Colby, all of whom are foreign, uh, former intelligence officials, to a Department of Homeland Security intelligence experts group handling national security issues. Now, this is a real big deal. Two of these dudes, Clapper and Brennan, signed that piece of paper saying that the Hunter Biden laptop was Russian disinformation. I mean, they directly interfered with an election. I mean, it was so bad for Brennan, who, by the way, was a director of the CIA spewing and spouting misinformation on national television shows. It got so bad with Brennan that Trump had to remove his security clearance. But how the rest of these people still have security clearances is beyond me. But again, we talk about this often on the program in the Democrat Party communists. They take care of their own and they don't give a damn about what you think. I mean, they fail up. So people who signed this this memo, which was clearly propaganda and then went out on television and, and lied about it relentlessly, they swayed an election. They interfered in an election. The very people that they're prosecuting for election interference did nothing. 
people like President Trump or Rudy Giuliani or some of the other people that are being prosecuted down in Georgia, they did nothing but protest electors or raise questions about election an election in 2020 that clearly was not above above board. Everybody that's looking at it honestly knows that. Yet people like Clapper, people like Brennan, who occupied high level intelligence positions in our government, absolutely unequivocally did interfere with an election. And there's no doubt about it that their interference is, is why President Trump is not in the White House today. They've not been held accountable at all. In fact, do you remember when James Clapper was out there on national TV saying that that that, that the Russia probe, which is now the Russia hoax, is far worse than Watergate? He's never been held accountable. Not only that, they just fail up. They get promoted. They're being brought back into the Biden administration to monitor domestic security issues. That's super concerning, especially with how our government is now weaponized against people who disagree with their narrative. These same communists, these same liars, these same, and I would go so far as to say traitors, are, are still occupying positions of great responsibility on our government. And now their eye is collectively focused on you and singularly focused on making sure that President Trump does not get back in the White House. And so now, without further ado, I want to bring back one of my favorite guest, and you know, I don't have guests on this program all that often, but but Rich Barris is one hell of a pollster, uh, aka the People's Pundit. You can find him on Twitter there. Um, he's just a he's just one of the best pollsters in the business. He's got his ear to the ground on all things. And and I said last week we had a clip that I released on Twitter from this show that Savage Rich is the best Rich and. And I know I saw Rich on Twitter today. He was he was very, very savage today, too. But Rich, we're thankful, thankful that you can join us today. Uh, welcome back to Battleground, man. Hey, thanks, Sean, for having me back. And I uh, got a lot of good feedback from that uh, from that clip. Let's do another. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Again, Savage Rich is the best rich. So I want to talk to you about we got lots of things to talk about. But yesterday I did a full expose on this Um defector transvestite from America who was a man in America left his wife and his and his, his pregnant wife and defected to Ukraine and is now strangely the the spokesperson for Ukraine the Ukrainian military who was fired today by the way yeah yeah uh, this this dude puts people like Jack Posobiec Posobiec and uh, Steve Bannon and Charlie Kirk on hit lists how the hell does something like this happen in America? I did not have this on my bingo card of what's to come. Yeah, it's like every day there's not enough time to talk about everything that's going on. It just <laughs> seems like that's how crazy the times are that we live in. And this it's is true. this is a guy who's from uh, North Florida. And <laughs> before that statement came out, which I mean, really just a reaction got him fired, John, uh, because people like J.D. Vance were like, wait a minute. Whoa. What are we doing putting American citizens on a hit list for talking <laughs> against? Because I went through all the sources on the site. Everything Jack posted that they had cited was true. Uh, they they used a bunch of circular reporting techniques with really shady characters to try to uh, make a dubious link between him and the Kremlin, which was just insane. It was insane. And then in response to the heat, he goes and does this, um, you know, this uh, nonsensical uh, tirade about how, as an American who defect to Ukraine, is now a, a soldier in Ukraine, uh, he's responsible to 
my commanders in the Ukraine army, the Ukraine people and the American people. And it just was totally delusional. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking to myself, how do you have dual loyalties? You cannot have dual loyalties. But there, this is not something that's, uh, you know, fringe for what we've seen from some of these people, Sean. That's important to note. This is just something that got a lot of attention because it was Jack. He's got clout. He's got friends. And a senator was like, what in the hell is going on? <laughs> otherwise, this is normal business for this, this man and that site, which is just insane. And it is. folks, I it, mean, yeah. It, I mean, it, 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 I mean, it, it it really it really is. You talk about it being like, you know, what his actions are not the exception in today's no. day and age. It's the rule. And, and I say this as I just watched a video, of the chairman of Joint Chiefs of Staff, Millie, saying Slava Ukraini, which basically means like glory to Ukraine or something right. like that. But I find I find it. As someone who served, and I know you served as well. I find it highly offensive and inappropriate for an American general to say something like that. I mean, it's 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 beyond the pale to me. And, and, and Jack has too. And it is beyond. I mean, I don't think I would have ever heard something like that from one of my commanding uh, officers, uh, command sergeant major. I mean, everyone's got different ranks, whatever branch you're in. I can't imagine my CSM saying something like that, let alone the Joint Chiefs of Staff. I just couldn't. Oh I, it, that's not the military I was in or the military I remember. But uh, in this day and age, there are things that are very different. And look, Alexander Vindman was really key to one of the Trump impeachment efforts, right? The initial one, which was really Russia 2.0. This is a man who lobbied for a job, the top job in Ukrainian defense and really could have gotten it. And I think had he not become such a vocal critic of Trump, who knows? He says he turned it down because of that. But, you know, I mean, if we were all quiet and just shut up, Sean, he could go from the national security team, you know, right from the White House over to Ukraine to be what is essentially their defense secretary. This is insane. You cannot have dual loyalties. My grandfather came, his father through Ellis Island. It was fascism on the rise. He fought in World War II against his own damn countrymen. You don't have dual loyalties. And, you know, the way I was raised, he was in World War II. You know, I'd be proud to be Italian, but you are American. There is some. There is a reason why you are here. There is a reason why our family came here from Italy. As much as we love the fatherland, it's not America. You're American. I just man can't grasp Rich, the concept. Rich, my I've told the story before on the on the radio, but my grandfather, when he came here, he came here on the boat from Italy. Um, spoke Italian, never spoke Italian around you know my mom and and you know aunts and uncles. Um, but the, you know they were they were at an event or some sort of VFW event or something like that or at a picnic. Um, when my when my mom and my aunt were little. And they saw him speaking Italian with all of his friends. And he came back over and was talking to them. And my mom asked him, like, Dad, like, we didn't know you spoke Italian. And he goes, ah, he goes, I'm an American first. That's how that generation thought. And what you That's just right. said reminded me of that, you know. And you know, it just makes me it it just it just makes me question everything in this day. I mean, obviously from the election in 2020, from all the COVID stuff and the vaccine stuff, and just now all these hoaxes that they've trotted out against President Trump. So I don't trust anything anymore, Rich. I just don't. Yeah. No, I, science has been perverted. 
Uh, you know, it's which it really was a red flag with my industry being perverted because it is still scientific as much as it is an art form, you know, as much as it is science. So to see a profession like that uh, get perverted, it was only a matter of time before other parts of, you know, of the professional class would allow politics to, you know, and I, I ran this episode probably two years ago called The Perversion of Science and Data. And it was like we were watching the Bureau of Labor Statistics, Sean, just lie, uh, you know, change the way they report GDP and give an alternate measure because Donald Trump is the president and they don't want to show 3% growth. <laughs> I mean, this is insane. I remember Charles Payne and I from Fox Business, you know, direct DMing. Like, wait, wait a minute. Did the BLS get this wrong? The Bureau of Economic Analysis, did they get this wrong? Um, you know, how have they how have they always reported GDP? It's anything you can. It's it, it's from economic data to public health information to them caving to uh, certain groups. So remember when monkeypox was going on? I mean, they literally changed their recommendations for vaccine. How when you can resume certain activity after getting the vaccine? Why? Because it was politics. It was for politics. Nothing. It's sad, and it, you know it doesn't really give me any pleasure to say it. But nothing can be trusted at face value anymore. You really have to do your own due diligence and look for alternative sources of information. All the conspiracy theories from COVID are generally proven right at this point, Sean, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just, yeah. Yeah, it's a good something, something I think it's Bannon who says, you know, well, today's conspiracy is tomorrow's fact. You just got to give it some time. You got to give it six months and it'll and it'll turn out to be true half the time. And he's right. It's exactly. Crazy. It's true. And so yeah. I want to talk about this Washington Post article that you and I spoke about earlier today via text message. It's titled Trump hits new high, new poll highs with black Hispanic voters and what to make of it. I mean, so I'll read you this and it says and we covered this a little bit on the show yesterday. So the, the viewers and the listeners are primed for it. But across five high quality polls that have broken out non-white voters in the past month, Trump is averaging 20% of black voters and 42% of Hispanic voters. And it goes on to say no Republican presidential candidate in the last 50 years has approached re receiving 20% of the black vote. I mean, absolutely. I mean, this episode is, is titled, you know, Trump's checkmate. And, and to me, if these numbers hold, I, I can't see the, I can't, it just seems to me it's it's done and it's over with. I mean, we talk about the primary, but these numbers are a total game changer for Trump in the general. And I guess my question to you is, are these people going to turn out? Yeah, that's a great question, because I, I do have to recognize for a second how the dichotomy here has shifted. Right. And and it's not just mm -hmm. months ago for a long time uh, that I love that term, high quality polls. It's funny because <laughs> I keep outperforming these high quality polls they talk about. And all through this year, they lagged us. You know, we're in identifying trends and I'm not alone. It's the other low quality pollsters that are uh, like me, uh, you know, who keep defining the trend and then they follow. So it's it, it's worth stopping and taking a second to note that months ago, a lot of these same people who are admitting this now uh, were pushing back on it. They, yeah, remember you were texting me in the middle of the night, like these people don't get it, like they're so wrong about this, and I'm like, I, I agree. With you. <laughs> you, you have to beat them over the head with it for them to really, uh, you know, to for it to sink in. Now it's becoming <laughs> irrefutable, and the question of whether or not they're going to turn out for me is is interesting. So black voters are lagging as far as uh, other races when it comes to certainty, but they are right around where they have been in recent elections. Who really? 
I think Democrats uh, have to worry about are Hispanics who, Sean, this is the first year in our polling. I can't speak for everybody else, but in our polling, Hispanics are always behind black voters when it comes to our likely voter model and who's certain to vote and who, you know, who's more likely even uh, to show up. This year, it is becoming really clear. I thought I saw it the first time and I thought maybe this is just statistical noise, but it's been repeated at survey after survey after survey where Hispanics now are uh, expressing a higher certainty, a higher interest in voting in 2024. So that's the danger for Democrats because you know, you can you can do a little bit better with the black vote, do even do a few points less than maybe what they're projecting uh, for Trump right now. And that's enough damage. Right. That's enough. But if he does 40 to 45 percent with Hispanic voters, which I think is more than plausible, I think he can I think he can hit mid 40s. If he does that, it's going to be incredibly damning for two reasons. One, black voters aren't really growing. Population wise, they've been 11 to 12 percent of the electorate. Hispanics have been reluctant to flex their political muscles for years. They never vote at the rates that would really have their voice heard. And for the, ironically, for the first time in my entire career polling, they're expressing that they're going to do it. And they would that would mean they'd be a larger share than black voters in the overall electorate. And it would really I mean, it would be ironic. I, that's, I really got to bring they, this would be ironic for two reasons. One, it's the guy they tried to paint as a racist who hates all Mexicans and Hispanics. Right. Who gets them out. And then, and then two, let's face it. They thought for 30 years they would bring a whole bunch of Hispanics in here as an underclass and they would be their underlings who vote for government benefits forever and ever and ever. And that would be their defense against uh, the untrusty, untrustworthy white voter that swings too much. And this could be the the end of them you know that is the ultimate political irony in my opinion you know the emerging democratic majority turns out to be the the trojan horse that they brought wow. in um not giving these people respect not listening to them not hearing their grievances and along comes donald trump and says i hear you and gets them out i do think they are going to vote at this rate right now they will and it's the, the real question is will they vote in the primary? So, so many more non-whites are telling us they're going to vote in a Republican primary. Trump leads overwhelmingly with these people. They're in urban areas to suburban areas. And it's like his, he could wind up outperforming the primary polls by a lot. Because take, you know, Florida, for instance, Hispanics were like 15% of the last primary. They're looking more like 2022 at this point, And Trump is clobbering everybody as well into the 60s. So, I mean, that would just completely change the political landscape, Sean. I mean, it w we'd have early nights. People like you, you and me would be, you and I would be like, well, it's 830. <laughs> Time to go home. I, yeah, well, I, I, I'm yeah. fascinated. I'm fascinated by all this, Rich. Uh, let me ask you this. What is motivating these people? What, what, and, and my, if I guess another a natural follow on question for you is what is Trump doing specifically that speaks to them or is resonating with them that other candidates are not? That depends on who we're talking about, really. So if we're talking about 
Hispanics. They're, they're not monolithic. If you were to call a Cuban or a Venezuelan in South Florida who everyone thought. Oh, yeah. Joe, Joe Biden said that. I mean, they're breakfast tacos, man. You know, just mixing up the breakfast. You know, I mean, remember when Joe Biden said Oh, my God. That's <laughs> These people you, are such idiots. Like, how are these people in charge of us? <laughs> it's a, if, if you would call one of them, they already like Trump more than most Republicans. But if you call one of them, they say, I have nowhere else to go. If they get their way here in America, there's nowhere else to go. There's nowhere wow. to run. There's no other place where freedom is some, you know, hiding in some corner of the world. They take that a lot. Uh, it, it, they don't take it for granted like a lot of, you know, multi-generational Americans do. They understand because they've been, you know, or their family has come from places that uh, they've heard this story before. And we hear this from uh, Hispanics a lot. They have heard the language and they've seen the actions that Democrats are using and doing. They've heard this before. They know the telltale signs. So immediately their ears peak up. Then there's also this. I went over this a little bit today on the show. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're Catholic, you know, whether you're Protestant, you know, religion, what you affiliate with and your attendance does greatly. Uh, it, it's very high level. Uh, accuracy for predicting how you're going to vote your vote preference and over the course of you know especially the last 14 years or so hispanics have become a lot more protestant and a lot less catholic and democrats had good relationships with some of those latino catholic churches and they are losing members and the more evangelical a group gets you know the more they go through a political maturation the more republican they get and, and just like we see and i've, I've said this I would actually be suspicious if we didn't see this trend with Hispanics in general. I just think the same way Trump drives up Protestant and evangelical turnout, mainstream Protestant and evangelical turnout, the same way he does that in Iowa, Wisconsin, right? In Ohio even. And then not only drives up the turnout, but wins larger shares than any other Republican. I think it's very much the same thing we're seeing with play, with uh, Hispanics in certain places uh, we went over today. Like, Miami-Dade, the share of Protestant Hispanics has risen considerably. Uh, Star County, Zapata County, where he had these massive swings from 2016 in Texas and South Texas. Uh, he got crushed in Star County, 30 points by Hillary Clinton. He almost took it from Biden in 2020. He got crushed in Zapata County. He did take it in 2020. So there have these, been these massive swings at the same time we're seeing these changes in, these, in identification. And I think that's a big part of it. I honestly think Republic Republicans would have been doing a lot better with Hispanics for a while if it wasn't for the Bush wing of the party. They killed them. Wow. They killed the economy. They hurt Hispanics very badly. And they stopped that political maturation process. They literally stunted it by driving them into poverty. And it was it's tragic. It's really tragic. Hispanics were hurt the worst by the Hispanic by the financial crisis, Sean. So I think that we would have seen this to some extent had they not done that. If it would have been on Obama's watch, it would have hurt the Democratic Party. You know, what's so interesting, Rich, is that Hispanics, by and large, are conservative. And they, you know, I think may, in many cases they come to America or they're here in America and they don't know it. And then they realize just how extreme the Democrats are. Yep. 
um, on issues like, say, abortion. And many you know, Hispanic um, Hispanic Americans are, are pro-life, unequivocally, unapologetically pro-life. And I found it interesting. We did I did a full breakdown of the Welker interview uh, with President Trump that everybody was talking about over the weekend, Rich. And <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, I I I. The way I look at that interview is it's just a microcosm of everything that is wrong with the mainstream corporate media today. She just brazenly lied. It was disgusting. Yep. It was shameful. I mean, she did a disservice to the American people. And and one of the exchanges that I found most fascinating, it's also interesting, Rich, because many conservatives, especially, you know, and I, I hate to name names, but DeSantis influencers have been all over President Trump about his comments about about abortion. Um, but I think, you know, I look at this thing and the way I explained it to the viewers and the listener is that there are two components to this. I mean, Trump, look at his actions. He was by far the most pro-life president of my lifetime, even Not more even pro-life than Ronald Reagan spoke at the March for Life. I mean, he's largely right. responsible for the dismantling of Roe v. Wade, you know, pro-life judges and Supreme Court justices. I mean, there's no one has done more for the life movement than President Trump. But if I know, because I've talked to President Trump, he looks at these issues in two ways. There's a moral component and there's a political component. And yes, Trump he does. understands. He understands the culture that we have in this country and that there that the the pathway to being a pro-life country is is to be had with little battles and little victories along the way. And what's so interesting about it is that Tudor Dixon and Blake Masters have both come out recently and said, you know what? Uh President Trump was right in his messaging. I wish we had have taken his advice, you know, because Tudor Dixon specifically had 50 plus million dollars spent against her on this subject before she was able to raise any money as, as again, she's uh, running for governor in 2022 against um, uh, Gretchen Whitner, Whitmer in, in Michigan. I mean, and what I guess what I'm, I'm getting at is that this narrative that that these conservative influence are taking with President Trump and like his his opposition to you know, or just his advocacy for a nuanced message on light, the life versus choice argument. Is this largely a political one? I mean, do these people think that they could score political points against President Trump in Iowa or something like that? What, what What's going on? What's your take on that? You know, I, I, I got to be honest and I'll name names because I, I just think some of them are fraud. <laughs> do it, Savage Rich. Do it. I, they're total frauds, you know, Steve Deese, <laughs> Eric Erickson, the, all the Ben Dominic of all of these sanctimonious, pretentious chumps had their way. Hillary Clinton would be president. Roe v. Wade would still be the law of the land and a half a million babies would be brought to the slaughterhouse every year. So wow. they were they were losers before Donald Trump came along. They tried to oppose him. They lost. They learned nothing and played chameleon for six years, and now they're back showing their true colors. Steve Deese went on MSNBC and said, I'll never vote for Donald Trump. I might as well not even make enemies with you good people at MSNBC. Uh, I'm not kidding. I wish I was joking. I'm not. So here's the kicker for this. Trump knew exactly how to go at abortion when he faced Hillary Clinton, and he took the issue immediately right off the table. Everyone who is, you know, at least somewhat not pretentious, everyone knows that the American public deeply opposes late-term abortion. He went right after that. You're absolutely right that Trump, he, he, there is that moral component. He doesn't like it, but he also knows you cannot win an election by talking down to people, being judgmental, and heaping your views on people all at once before you take small victories along the way. 
And his view is obviously go after the late term abortion. We've done research for different clients. So is so is groups like Trafalgar. And we told them, go to 15, 20, even better, but don't do it right away. Americans don't like it, but you're going to have to chip away at it. None of them listened. So in order to throw a Hail Mary and make, you know, in Iowa and make DeSantis, uh, you know, make inroads against Trump's lead, they cost him everything else, which is what those people have been good at for years. Winning the Iowa caucus and losing a general election. That's what they've wow. been good at. That's all they've done. That's the only good they've ever done for themselves. Uh, destroying political careers like Scott Walker and Ted Cruz and others. Now they're doing it and did do it, sadly, to Governor DeSantis. It was just a poll out before we came on. It's New Hampshire. Yeah, I said it. I was going to bring up. Yeah. I mean, I'm not, you know, because the people that cut, they're so vicious, too. So in their sanctimony, they're so vicious. And they come at you. And I said, just keep it up. I don't really care. Keep keep it up. And the polls new in New Hampshire next week will show that you absolutely killed him. You killed him. Because the voters in Iowa do know what Trump is doing. Very small, even of evangelicals said that that was their issue. Even social issues in general was their issue. And among those voters, he still led. He had, they, they didn't do a dent. Uh, they didn't do anything to dent Trump's support in Iowa over the last week doing this, harping on abortion the way they did. What they did do is drive DeSantis to fifth place in New Hampshire in the worst poll for Donald Trump in New Hampshire dating back to 2016. Anselm College is a much better polling outfit at the university level than the University of New Hampshire who polls for CNN. They have been wow. very, very... Um, well, you know, they, I don't want to say anti-Trump. They've just been a lot less bullish on Trump. They're the only poll to ever show DeSantis had in New Hampshire, and they killed him. Now he's in fifth place behind Vivek Ramaswamy, way behind Chris Christie. It's sad. It really is. But this is what they do. And uh, again, I, I got to point out that you you can't heap your views. Judgmental. And I listen, I'm personally, this isn't about my own views. Personally, I am as pro-life as you can get. Something happened to me when I saw my oldest son on a uh, ultrasound years ago, and something just clicked on in me that that is a baby, that is life, and I am not very uh, personally anyway. I'm not very forgiving on that issue, but I understand that a lot of other people were are like how I once was, and it's going to take some time preaching to these people. And coming across as holier than thou and morally superior is just a tell, you know, it's just a foolproof way to lose. Foolproof it, way to lose. And that's Rich, all they you are you I have to tell you, I, I completely agree with you. It's a nuanced and sensitive issue for a great many people. And you know, again, I tell I tell my audience all the time I'm pro-life, but I also understand and, and can approach the, the issue with nuance. Right. And that maybe sure. not everybody that this that this is about, like we said, the small victories, that this is about a big tent party and bringing people in. And there was an old adage on both of my campaigns that, you know, if you're talking about if whoever talks about abortion first tends to to lose, it means they're in trouble because 
every bit of our polling. Uh, so and this wild. is this is played out over so and over wild. and over again. Yeah. But it, it's an animating issue. It gets people's jerseys on. It gets people fired up. And clearly, this was an issue that the Democrats used against Republicans in 2022. What we thought was going to be a red wave wasn't. And I got to believe that the, the pro-life, pro-choice argument was tied into it somewhere. That doesn't mean that that, you know, it, that doesn't mean that Republicans I just think maybe it means that Republicans were too extreme on the issue, even though, again, reiterate, you and I are both pro-life. But here's the deal. If we're ceding the battlefield to radical lefties who will kill a baby up until nine months or when it's on an operating table, letting it die. <laughs> no, I would rather take the pro-life person who had a nuanced and sensitive message. And as is typically the case, Rich, we can often see when Democrats are scared by how they're reacting in the media. And there was a piece in Politico on this very subject that Democrats are worried yes. that President Trump yes. muddied the waters on this issue. And that's why all of these abortion activists were out there. But look at Trump. He dismantled he dismantled Roe versus Wade. But look at all these pro-life justices. But look at him at the March for Life speaking. No, 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 no. He, he doesn't actually believe in life. He's or he doesn't actually believe in, in a nuanced issue in this matter. He's strictly pro-life. That that's the reason why they reacted like that is because his his position in that Welker interview struck fear into the heart of the radical left. And that's how, you know, he's over the target. Right. It is. And this is why it's, some of these like brainiacs over there uh, don't understand. <laughs> why do you think it is he carried the state of Michigan? Why? Do, how is it? Do you think he was? And this is let's take Iowa even. The caucus is not the electorate that you're going to face in November. Donald Trump uh, won Iowa and he wins it handily. But people may be surprised to find this out. Iowa has the most, the highest number of pivot counties out of any state in the nation. 31, meaning counties that both times voted for Barack Obama and then flipped to Donald Trump. And only he held every single one of them uh, later on after 16 and 2020. Republicans got creamed in many of them in 2018 and in 2022. They certainly underperformed. They don't. It's their state for most of these people. These purists, a lot of them do come from that. The Bob Vanderplatzes, right, who tried to jump yes. on this. They don't even know how to win their own state. They think or they want people to think. I'm not sure they really buy into their own garbage, but they want people to think because Trump wins Iowa by 10. We can afford to make these mistakes and act like the, you know, the purest, morally superior, holier than nows that we are. Here's the problem. Let me just say this too. Here's the longtime problem that has plagued Republicans with people like that. There has only ever been one perfect person. And when you act like a better Christian than this one, and I'm a more virtuous Christian than you. You're setting yourself up because you're only human. We're all only human. We're flawed and we're fallible. And eventually you're going to screw up or your guy's going to screw up. And then the left has a field day with you. Jimmy Swagger, issues with the Catholic Church, George W. Bush, Mr. Holier Than Now himself. Sure, he's super pro-life, but he'll murder and maim a bunch of innocent you know, uh, Middle Easterners who had nothing to do with 9-11. And, and you just look stupid. To the rest of the country, you look like you are judgment. You're judgmental, and Americans, middle Americans, can't stand some you know a few people more. You know, or I would say few people less than actually is what I what I should say. 
than people who are, you know, overtly uh, virtue signaling. It's like out. It's like the right's version of virtue signaling, Sean. Right. The middle mm -hmm. America doesn't like when the left acts like they're more virtuous and they do their little virtue signals. And the right has that on their own. And that's their version of it. And meanwhile, to the norming, both look like idiots. And eventually you're setting yourself up to meet a bar that no human being really can meet. You're never going to be perfect. You're never going to be morally superior. You know, and by the way, I guess most of them missed the New Testament, buddy. They missed the new covenant. Like <laughs> you're not so your job is not to judge someone for their different views. Your job is to try to convince them and love them and make, you know, show show yourself as an example to them. And that's how you convince them. And again, you know, it, it could be as something as crude as what Trump did in the debate in 2016. She tried to pull this card on him and he just flatly turned to her and said, Hillary, you ripped babies out of the womb at nine months. I mean, it was so brutal and raw, but it did. It set an example and it made people think, oh, my goodness, that's just too much for me. I even though I want to be um, understanding to some people's positions, I can't abide by that. So you take that first, Sean, and then you work your way down. You go to the Pain Protection Act from there. You know, you take late-term abortion. Then you take the, something like the Pain Protection Act, which, by the way, people like them caved on in 2014. They didn't even have the guts to vote on it back then <laughs> when Barack Obama was most certainly going to veto it, right? So who are these people preaching to? Come on. It's insincere. I, and they're just they're not, even, they're not even contributing to the discussion at this point, Sean. They're just doing – they're just being negative and damaging they're not contributing anything well uh, yeah i completely agree man and i, I want to get to the last subject while i have you and that's you know our poindexter governor here in pennsylvania josh shapiro rolled out automatic voter registration which means people are automatically registered to vote unless they say they don't want to be registered to vote at the dmv so a bunch of 18 year old kids uh you know, get their license or 16 year old kids get their license and they register. I don't know. I don't know how it really works, but Republicans, I will tell you, I've seen one Republican after the next just sort of react to this like, oh my God, the Democrats are going to use this to cheat and it's going to be terrible. And you and I have a different view on this. And I talked about it a little bit on our show yesterday that this is not wholly a bad thing if Republicans play their cards right. Give us your take, Rich. Since New Jersey moved to vo uh, automatic voter registration over a year ago, the state has trended consistently to the right. Re registration has favored Republicans. Democrats didn't pay much attention to it because they're not going to dump their resources in a state they feel they have such a big advantage in, but they won't ignore Pennsylvania. So the real problem Republicans have is not that they're attempting to cheat or this and added the other thing. The real problem they have, Sean, is that Democrats came to what I actually think is a rational decision, they could lose under the current status quo. They could lose anyway because Trump is performing so much stronger than he was in 2020. So if they don't do something, there's a very real risk they're going to lose the Keystone State, even playing all of their tricks, you know, pulling every trick that they have out of the bag. So if I was them, I would have probably advised the same thing. Listen, the non-registered eligible adult population is more favorable to Republicans in, in a state like Pennsylvania, but they don't have the infrastructure or the understanding to really go after their target groups. We do. So let's go out and do it. Let's take the risk. Let's do it. And by the way, for people who uh, it's not just young people, I've heard a lot of misnomers. They just don't get it. My wife's um, 
uh, license just expired, Sean. She would have had to go down there and would have she would have been hit by that. It would have triggered uh, with her if she wasn't registered. The the known metrics for these people are actually really favorable to Republicans, even more favorable on many levels. For instance, high school graduates are more than 30 percent at least of this um of this group. And normally they're about 20 to 25% in the exit polls and in, in, in an electorate in Pennsylvania. Uh, they have, they do own homes. They're just not extremely wealthy homes. 60 plus percent own homes. They're verified homeowners, but they're not it's super expensive home values. So what does that mean? These are middle of the road people. Uh, they actually, even though Pennsylvania is generally an older state, it's slightly older than a traditional electorate. So again, something that favors, um, the Republican Party, and it's only a little over 7% African-American, whereas it's double digits in the electorate. So again, the real issue they have is that they're too busy arguing about who's an abortion purist and who is not, and spending $90 million to take down the front runner when they should put a couple million dollars into Pennsylvania and make sure they reach these people. The truth is they just saved you money. They just, if you had the infrastructure and the know-how, you they made it easier. For these people to get introduced to the system in the system. Now it's just your job to reach out to them and make sure that they participate in the process. I mean, all these people are in a database now, and this is every swing, every swing state needs to have a, a war room, you know, and yeah. in that war room, and I, whether it's the state party or a candidate with a ton of money and a super PAC, they need to have a war room. And in the case of Pennsylvania, you've got all 67 counties on, you know, if you're like in the military at a tactical operations center, you've got your area of operations on a computerized board right in front of you in a screen that's twice the size of, of my body laying down on the floor, <laughs> like huge screen. Everything. And you got a lot, yeah, you got a lot of people looking at all of these counties in Pennsylvania. And all of those counties should be divided all the way down to the precinct level. And whoever is running the Pennsylvania war room, for lack of a better term, needs to be able to say whoever's running statewide in 2024, this is how many Republican votes that you need in this precinct in order yep. to win. And they should be able to do that at a surgical level all across the state. These people, if, they re if they're registering to vote as Republicans, as young Republicans or old Republicans, as you mentioned, maybe it's not, it's not about age, but if these people are registering at the DMV, then they're in a database somewhere and you can go get them and make sure that these, if they're not registered, right? I mean, they, it's, it's safe to assume that they're low propensity voters and you That's can make right. sure that you could go get them, find them and they're in a database, turn them out. And then that way you can incorporate them into your overall strategy. Democrats do this. They've got Excel spreadsheets. What they do is they automatically opt people into this mail-in ballot program. Right. Ballots go out. And when ballots come in, they check people off the list. And that allows them to take their money and their resources and use it in a more surgical way to target the people who haven't mailed in their ballots yet. And it allows them to be ruthlessly efficient uh, you know, on the political battlefield per se. And this is this is part of the reason why I, I reject the narrative that, you know, Trump endorsed candidates lost. No, no, it, it's both establishment and Trump endorsed candidates lost because Republicans and the RNC is they are so behind the power curve on what yeah. you said, this infrastructure and, and, and frankly, not just infrastructure and how to turn these people out and get their votes or opt them into these programs or engage with these voters, but also just looking at, at the data and using the data to target people in the right way. We're so behind on this, Rich. And despite them, right, in spite of them, 
there's still some things in Pennsylvania that are going on organically. And we just updated. We got a, we got a new update in the Keystone State. And it's, again, slightly less Democratic than it was a few months ago. So it, it's happening. It, they, you know, it wants to happen. There's something natural and organic going on, but they don't know how to capitalize on it. And by the way, I don't know if I mentioned this one, but 50 to 100,000 is the largest single income group out of these people. 50 to 100,000 is the best Republican income group right now in the electorate. So there's this knee jerk, you know, you know what moaning reaction from Republicans every time Democrats do something like this. And it's funny how you see people like Scott Pressler who do go out and register people and do the hard work while most people just complain on Twitter all day. He is saying the same thing, that this is a goldmine for us. We just need to do it. And oh, by the way, nobody's returned my call. I mean, this is the real problem Republicans have. <laughs> That's the problem. Not that, uh, you know, Democrats are because de there's it's not legal to ballot harvest, but you can harvest abs like absentee ballot applications uh, for the permanent list even, too. So Democrats are going to do that and make it as easy for as possible for these new voters and low propensity voters to get that vote. And then, like you said, Sean, they're going to call. Hey, did you got your application? Did you make sure you mailed it in? Somebody may even knock on their door. They'll send a couple of text messages. They will nudge those people to get that back in. Republicans will be sitting on their thumbs crying about fraud. And that's a real it's a travesty because they I saw this move as an act of desperation. That's what I saw it as. They had no choice but to take the risk because they know that they have a better machine. And they're counting on you, Republicans at home, to not wake up and put your own machine into play and get it working, get all those you know kinks worked out, get it well-oiled and send it on its way to get the job done. They're counting on you not to do that. They're counting on you to waste more money in political packs you know, attacking each other in a primary in a caucus. That's what they're counting on. And so we'll we'll see how it goes. But it is not necessarily a bad thing. These groups, by the way, and I don't want to ramble on, but these groups are everywhere, Sean. Wisconsin, Michigan, Pennsylvania, it's they're there. I mean, we've talked about this. Just go out and get them. Stop complaining. Stop whining. Do something. Put yourself to use. They're there. It's your job. They're not been convinced yet. It's your job to put them on the absentee ballot you know, uh, list. It's your job to make sure they get three of their friends to get on that list. And they haven't done it. So you Absolutely. know what? Get off the pot, brother. Right? Yeah, hope is not a strategy. We all it have to take action to save this country. Yeah. And, and you know, I'm with you 100%. And I hope people, especially people that are watching this show from Pennsylvania, take heed to what Rich is saying because he's 100% right. We have to fight on the battlefield that we have. And we have to adapt to the conditions that are there, not the battlefield that we wish was there. Once we take power and once we win, we can change things for the better in the way that we see fit. But we can't just throw up our hands and say, I quit. We can't do it. Otherwise, we not just do we lose elections, but we will undoubtedly lose our country because these Dems are just so extreme. Yeah. Again, that should not have been a four point win for a guy who can't even speak correctly for a guy who <laughs> has to have the Senate rules change for him because he's not competent or capable enough to put on a suit and get an attire that is. Uh, you know, up to par with Senate rules. That should have been a major embarrassment. And for people just to say, well, you know, uh, that's just Pennsylvania. I reject that 100 percent. 
Uh, I totally reject that. That was a failure. That was not, um, that's not Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania is winnable. <laughs> it, totally it, agree. You have to win it. Go get you it. Ha- you have to win it. Go get it. Amen, Rich. Okay. So tell me, I know that Brock, uh, Brockstar, our producer, subscribed to your locals and, and to awesome. get exclusive access to all your stuff. Tell the audience what they can do to support you and where to find you. Yeah, the, the best thing they could do is go to locals, sign up, be a supporter. And on locals, even if you don't do that, there's a public polling project on there. I will say this, speaking of Pennsylvania, they're about to get, if you sign up, peoplespundit.locals.com, they're about to get two voter analysis models. We always run the whole database and we, we profile all of these voters. We're going to show people basically the results for when you include inactive voters versus when you include uh, just active voters. And it'll profile and show you what the electorate looks like, uh, how the trends are moving in Pennsylvania. A couple of years ago, Sean, that D plus was huge. And then part people would just identify differently. Now those registrations are catching up. And, it, you know, a little push, a little push. But I'm going to give away too much. But if you go to people.locals.com, <laughs> you'll see it. So it, it, it's it's something for you to arm yourself with when you hear the naysayers. Well, listen, if you're watching or listening, trust the people's pundit. Do not trust fake news because these people are relentless liars. And of course, they will lie to you uh, to shape public sentiment. And so, Rich, I know it's around dinner time. I know you got a family or your own and a wife and three amazing kids. But but thank you for giving us your time. You are uh, like I said, we don't have many guests, but you are the best. And we love you around here, man. Thanks for coming on. Anytime. Thanks for having me, Sean. I'll talk to you soon. Be good. All right. See you, Rich. Give your best to my family. Take care. Your we'll family. Do. We'll, family. We'll do. We'll do. Right back my, at you. Give your best to my family, too. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Rich. Take care, brother. Take care. All right. You heard Rich Barris, the people's pundit, the best pollster in the business. Folks, You know, I'm going to do my send off just like this. We have got to fight and win on the battlefield as it exists today. Will there be certain aspects of that fight that are unfair? that are stacked in our political enemy's favor, of course. But we cannot back down. We're in the trenches. Hope is not a strategy. It's about what you can do to save this country. How are you, when you look in the mirror, how are you acting and taking action to save this country? And I don't know what inspires you, but I know what inspires me is looking at my at my five children and saying, come hell or high water, I am not going to let them inherit a country that is not as good and rich and free with opportunity as the one that I lived in my whole life. We have a duty and responsibility to make sure that they inherit a better America. It's on all of us. And so what are we going to do about it? What we're going to do is we're going to win in 2024 and we're going to save this country in this show, in the trenches, this ground zero for doing just that. So if you're watching and you've stuck with us through it all, make sure you like smash that like button, rumble, subscribe to the program. We're going to have rich on, you know, recurringly this once a week, once every two weeks, whatever he's comfortable with, because we love him. We think he's the best um, and we support him. Um, But But this show, subscribing to this channel, it will always be free. It will be live every single night at 5 p.m. 
only on Rumble, Monday through Friday. So get in the trenches, get in the fight, help us save this country. If you go to officialshawnparnell.com, you can buy all the brand new Join the Battleground Apparel Company. We've got lots of cool shirts that say do not comply. Uh, Melanie had to, Commander Melanie of Fort Parnell had to go into a government building today. And I said, you're really going to wear a do not comply shirt into a government building? And she said, Hell yeah. Those are the people who need to see this the most. <laughs> so so we got all this great stuff at officialshawnparnell.com and the Battleground Apparel Company that we're still rolling out slowly but surely. Uh, but thank you all for watching tonight. Uh, support Rich Barris in any way that you can. He's a great, great guy. But never quit. Never surrender on America. God bless you all. And God bless this exceptional nation that we call home. Take care. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. Stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.